Oh, hey. Welcome back. It's the Simon Short Podcast, and I'm Simon Short. We are doing things a little bit differently on the podcast now, where I'm going to start every week by opening up with a few thoughts about whatever the topic might be. So the reason I'm doing this is I was building out the summer schedule. It's not quite the summer yet, but we're kind of getting into the summer content. It's all ramping up here at the back half of April. And there was just so much that I wanted to talk about, whether it was movies, TV, the WNBA, the NBA playoffs, the NFL draft, and getting ready for next NFL season, that there was no time to do it all in the way we've been doing it in the year plus we've had this podcast. So we're going to start every week with me opening up for however long I feel the need to, 10 minutes, it could be 20 minutes, whatever it is, where I'm going to be hitting on a topic. And it's usually going to have a, a weekly um, kind of format over a handful of weeks. So for instance, we have the NBA playoffs starting this week with the NBA playoff games over between now and essentially the end of the NBA, you know, postseason. I'm going to start at the top of every episode talking about the NBA playoffs, what I'm seeing, what I'm watching, what I'm hearing. I'm fully excited to dive back deep into the NFL playoffs. Um, now that the draft season for the NFL is just about over, we're going to kick that off here today. Uh, before we go into another hoops conversation in the back portion of this podcast, the main portion of this podcast, where Bri and Mario are back to talk about the WNBA draft, which happened Monday night on April 10th. Um, so it's a hoops podcast this week. We are back to our NFL draft content starting next week over the next handful of weeks going into and coming out of the NFL draft. We will have more NFL draft content. If you're looking for NFL draft content this week and you haven't already, Make sure you go back to last week's episode, NFL Mock Draft 2.0. I have a ton of Phantom uh, podcast affiliate people on for that. Uh, it was a really fun episode. Make sure you check that out. And if you've already listened to that and you haven't gone over to the Phantom Football podcast, make sure you do that because we are continuing our NFL Draft War Room series where we did the NFC South and NFC West this week. So if you're looking for NFL Draft content from me and you haven't listened to the Phantom Football podcast yet, go over there to that feed and check out that episode and check out all of our episodes because we have draft content going back a handful of weeks on that feed. So tonight I'm going to kick us off with just some general NBA thoughts uh, as the regular season wrapped up last week. I'm not going to dive too deep into the play-in games, um, but I will start with I do love the play-in game idea. I do love how it's been executed. Uh, in the Tuesday night games, we saw a handful of those teams uh, come out pretty sleepy at various points. So whether it was uh, the Lakers and the Heat, who were pretty sleepy both in the first half, the Heat kind of continued that all through the second half as well, just never really got going, especially the Stars, Bam and Jimmy. Uh, Bam and Jimmy. And the Lakers, you know, a little sleepy in the first half. LeBron and AD still kind of put up their numbers, looked like they had been there before, took the other guys some time to get going. Uh, Anthony Edwards from Minnesota obviously was held to single digit points and, and a bad shooting performance overall. Um, hopefully he can bounce back in the next game uh, going against the winner of the Pelicans and Thunder who are actually on right now as we're recording 82 77 OKC is up 440 left in the third quarter in that one. Uh, so that'll be fun to watch the end of here. The playing in general though, I mean, these one game, you know, winner take all, it's always fun in the playoffs, right? Whether it's a seven-game series, a five-game series, whatever league you're in, the NFL playoffs, one game, and that's it. Um, getting that in the NBA, 
uh, in true one game stakes fashion is just a ton of fun. So I'm totally here for it. Uh, I hope everybody is catching the playing games and enjoying those. And we will continue to talk about the NBA playoffs at the top of every episode from now through the NBA championship should time up pretty well. I haven't checked the dates exactly, but for when secret invasion comes out uh, on Disney plus the, the Marvel TV show starring Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that'll be the next thing I kind of cover in these weekly segments at the top. Um, so instead of doing one big episode or, or maybe two episodes where we check in on the series halfway through uh, with our pal Muhammad Mehdi, uh, shout out to Muhammad, or coming in at the end and just doing a recap. Um, instead of doing that, I'll be talking about that show every week at the top of every episode. So a, a weekly, um, hey, what happened in this week's episode? Uh, so those will be the the two things o- over the course of the next you know three months or so that that I'll be talking about at the top of the pod before we dive into whatever our full discussion will be right. So whether that is talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy three movie in May, whether that is um, checking in on the WNBA season with Mario and Bree, whether that is looking ahead into the 2023-24 NFL season by doing some divisional previews. Whatever we have going on, uh, we'll have one big conversation with one or two guests, as we always do, very similar format. But here at the top, 15 minutes maybe, we'll talk about some other things. So just to bounce around some NBA ideas, some NBA topics uh, before getting into the conversation with Brian Mario about the WNBA draft, um, I'm just going to hit some of these. Now, keep in mind, uh, if you just started listening to me talk about sports, uh, since the inception of this podcast, obviously I'm very NFL focused. I'm very NFL heavy in this podcast right now. That means that I haven't watched quite as much regular season basketball as I have in years past, where if you know me outside of the podcast, you know, the NBA is my league man. the NBA basketball is my sport. Um, it's why I'm so excited to be covering the WNBA now, but these are my general thoughts. I, I wanted to do just a conversation about awards if you are one of my diehard NBA fan listeners and, and you watch a million regular season games and you think some of my um my my names that I have on here are just wild, I wouldn't argue with you, man. I, I would not argue with you at all. Uh, this is just my hey. I, I listen to weekly podcasts. I, I'm checking on scores. I, I watch as many games as I can. Um, but I know I don't have the same feel for this league that I have had in years past because I've been so heavy into the NFL. But that said, ballots are still fun. I still think they're really important and really interesting. So I'm going to give you mine on some awards, but I'm going to talk about some some topics here before the playoffs uh, and, and as the regular season had come to an end. So Dallas Mavericks is the first team I want to talk about. We did an emergency podcast, me and Muhammad Mehdi, where we talked about when the Mavericks traded for Kyrie Irving. We both kind of agreed, hey, this is clearly a trade of desperation. They're trying to bring a second star for Luka. Whether that works or not is TBD, and that's when we'll decide if it was a good trade or not. But it wasn't a, a huge trade in terms of what they gave up, right? A couple role players, one first-round pick. Yeah, at this moment, you probably wish you didn't do it because now there's all this stuff about is Luka unhappy, and you know Dorian Finney-Smith was basically his best friend on the team. Um so it doesn't look great right now. Obviously, the Mavericks missed the playoffs, didn't even get into the play-in game, essentially tanked the last game of the season for a chance to keep their draft pick. That's been a hot topic of discussion. Um, 
you know, do you do you tank a season with Luka Doncic in his prime? Uh, is this draft pick worth it? In my head, the draft pick will be worth it if they can then trade it for for somebody else, right? Um, that's the only that's the only way it really makes sense. But um, obviously, uh, if they had made it to the play in and the playoffs, decreased their chances of keeping the pick because it's top ten protected owed to the Knicks. What I really want to focus on here for a minute is just what should the Mavericks do with Kyrie Irving moving forward? Um, and I was talking about this with friend of the pod, Kevin Smick, uh, this week, kind of bouncing around some ideas because you almost feel like you can't keep Kyrie at this point, right? I mean, I know those him and Luca were injured at various points at the end of the year. They never really got going. But can you commit big long-term money to Kyrie and essentially hitch your Luka Doncic wagon? to Kyrie when Kyrie repeatedly has shown you shouldn't hit your wagon to him really for much of anything. When this trade went down to me, I saw, Hey, one year make as big a run into the playoffs as you can. Uh, you didn't give up too much draft capital. Uh, but if it doesn't work, be willing to move on from it. Now they can't do that by truly letting Kyrie just walk for nothing. They have to try and get something. You're not going to get multiple draft picks for this guy. It's just not going to happen. And you're going to have to execute a sign and trade for him more than like, right? If you're going to do anything. So you're going to have to get contracts back. No one's going to send you another star for him. So what's the best thing this team can do for Luka Doncic right now? And it's not great options any way you look at it. Um, there's not a star you're going to get. There's not a, a, a young player that someone will throw in with one bad contract. Um, no one's going to trade a good young player for Kyrie right now on what would probably have to be a pretty significant contract. So really right now you just need bodies and you need bodies that work around Luca. What is that? I don't know. You know, it, it looked like three years ago, it was a guy like Dwight Powell. And ever since then, the Mavericks have tried everything to, to basically do anything to keep him glued to the bench. Whether it was giving JaVale McGee a three-year contract, whether that was trading first round pick for Christian Wood, and guess what? Neither of those things worked out. Um, you know, so so you know, oh, oh, is it a is it a secondary playmaking option guard next to Luca? Well, they had that in Jalen Brunson. They let him walk, and then they have to go and get that again in Kyrie, and then it still didn't work. Okay, what is it really? Is it an athletic, you know, defensive minded wing who rebounds, runs in transitions, and maybe can hopefully become a three point shooter? Um, maybe Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, but you traded him for that guard. So I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know the answer to the question. Um, but, but what I tried to work through a little bit was, can they just get guys that can start and, and play NBA basketball, right? Uh, fill out this roster, get as deep as you can with Luca. Hope he raises the floor of some of these guys. And then if you do keep that 10th overall pick, can that be your big swing where you hopefully get, Either you feel like you can draft a player that works there, or that's now a trade chip for for that actual quote unquote co star to go with Luka Doncic. I also don't know if he wants a co star. He's Luka. I, I think he wants to be in charge of pretty much everything, which is totally his right. Because guess what? He's pretty good at it. So at this point, you just need as many bodies, as many guys around him as you can, in my opinion. So a couple of fake trades I came up with for the off season, and I don't know contractually where all these guys are going to be at and, and how well it works, but, but it looks like it works from the money perspective, just taking a cursory glance at it. Um, so a couple I came up with the Clippers, 
they went for Russell Westbrook, right? We saw them go after uh, a, a star or a one star who didn't seem to be in the right situation. Um, Russ is a free agent after the season. He's played okay for them, but this is the team that looks like they could talk themselves into Kyrie coming aboard and, and pushing them over the top. So could something centered around Norm Powell, um, Robert Covington, and, and one of those young guards, right? Bones Highlander, Terrence Mann. Can you get one of those guys or one of those young guys to go with the other two and bring them into play next to Luca? Can Norm Powell be that secondary score, shot creator, okay defender and rebounder as well that can play next to Luca? Can one of those guards be that? that heat check secondary playmaker. Maybe you have to bring him off the bench to make it fit with Luca, but, but that secondary guy that can be kind of the Spencer Dinwiddie type, um, or, or maybe kind of a heat checky type of guy. And, and then Rocco, I mean, look, he's not who he was two years ago, five years ago. Um, he's not going to come in and be this elite defender, this elite three point shooter. But in terms of being a ninth guy on, on a playoff rotation, Coming in, I don't, I don't love the idea of him being a small ball five just because he's that's not the kind of player he is. But a wing player who can play some defense and, and at least is a moderately respectable shooter. I think all three of those guys are guys that the Mavericks would very clearly take right now. Another one that that I thought about was the Detroit Pistons. You know, could they be ready to to make a kind of big push for and take a risk on a player like Kyrie? Um, obviously it was a tough year this year for them with, with Kate Cunningham being hurt all season, you know, never, just never really getting out there. Um, could, could that be a move right now? They have a glut of, of bigs of young bigs that are on this team. Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Wiseman as well. Um, so just that could, can you steal one of those guys? Can, can one of those guys be the big man you're looking to add, um, for Luca? You throw in there uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, that would be a lot of fun. I think that's a guy that Luca would really like, and not just because he's also, you know, a, 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 an international player, but but a big wing that can shoot, handle the ball a little bit, uh, and, and also play some defense. And then can you get Killian Hayes as a throw-in, just as a as a young, exciting guard, maybe, you know, coming off, coming to a new situation would, would help him out. Um, again, none, I mean, none of these are exciting, right? Could, couldn't you work something out with Toronto? I don't know what, you know, a double sign and trade with Fred Van Fleet gets you. Um, or, or if Toronto would maybe be willing to give up somebody a little bit more interest, like are they willing to move on from a Pascal Siakam, right? They just they just lost their, you know, 9-10 playing game. So, so they missed the playoffs. Sounds like Nick Nurse could be on his way out of there. Could they be ready to move on? So could you get a Siakam and a Gary Trent? for Kyrie Irving probably not that's probably too much you probably have to give stuff up would you do that with the 10th pick 10th pick and and Kyrie for Gary Trent and Pascal Siakam I think that's a better fit at least I think that could be interesting Trent next to Luca um gives you that kind of three and D option who who can be a secondary uh shot creator Pascal we know what he can do all around kind of forward that I think that would I think that would be interesting too again I don't I don't know if Toronto's into that, but but maybe if they're looking to blow things up and they can get the 10th overall pick. Um, although I don't know if how how you know Canadians would feel about Kyrie Irving on their team. But still, just that's a thought that's out there. Uh by the way, OKC is up 9285 right now. Is we near the end of the third quarter. Josh Giddy just had a nice pull three over CJ McConnell at the 
uh, shot clock buzzer. Very, very fun. So those are, those are my Kyrie Maverick socks. I think they have to move on. The, the, I, I never mind a team making a trade. If there's an easy way out, I mind if you double down on it when it doesn't work. Um, so if you can get a sign and trade going with Kyrie for just even if it's just decent NBA players that that fit around Luca, I think that's a good place to be. Um, next next topic, very very short. There was a lot of conversation going into the playoffs about the Clippers and their seeding and what they should have done in the last game or two of the season. Um, and that question is, should they have tanked to avoid the four five matchup with Phoenix? Right, so if they were to do that, try to get the six seed, try to play the Sacramento Kings, first time back in the playoffs in what sixteen years, um, could they maybe take advantage of a young team like that? But the risk with that is you could have fallen all the way down to seven, and then you're risking a single elimination or or like technically double elimination for the seven seed um, in the playing tournament, and anything can happen in the playing tournament. They went for it; they got the five seed. They're playing Phoenix in the first round. I really have never bought into this whole tank for better position. I know, I know the odds tell you that it, it's more favorable to you at the end of the day. Um, I guess I just b- believe in in basketball karma and the basketball gods too much to you know tank my way into a certain spot, um, which may be silly, you know, which may be silly, but uh, you know, just the idea of we're scared of that team. I can't imagine it. It's bred too many champions. You know, I I I would like to I I should have done this, but I would like to go and try and find a situation where that actually that that ended up working, right? The team ended up winning, wh- whether they won the championship, got to the championship, won the conference, you know, got to the conference finals. Um, it's just it's not a it's not a thing for me. So Clippers, way to go! You know, you might get you might lose in five games to the Phoenix Suns, but hey, if Phoenix goes on and, and wins the championship or they're in the conference finals or whatever, you know, you know you played a great team uh and but clippers are certainly playing for a lot right now so we'll see what happens um the minnesota timberwolves my oh my there's a lot going on there and not even to mention you know what just happened uh, against the lakers the other night but um i, I tweeted this out and, and shout out to josh i'm saying sorry man uh but but the timberwolves just aren't a serious franchise you go through the history of, of what this team has had and, and what they've done with it i mean the kg era was you know, just an embarrassment, uh, but it was for a lot of teams in, in the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, the Kevin Love era, just complete wash, just like almost like it didn't even happen. Um, and, and now, you know, the three years where you were maybe trying to build around Carl Anthony Towns obviously didn't work out, and he wasn't really the player to do that with, it, it turns out. But they now have Anthony Edwards, and through these last, you know, especially five years, but really my lifetime, it feels like this team from top to bottom just hasn't known how to put a winning product out there uh, and put a winning franchise, winning culture, when really winning atmosphere out there to a place where you feel like, okay, the Timberwolves, right? This this is going to happen now. Um, so this obviously stems from the Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson fight on the sideline as they're playing for playoff positioning. Um or play in positioning they're, they're they have something to play for they're coming down the wire they finally got the team healthy and and whole and you got rudy gobert who's the guy you just traded five first round picks and, and walker kessler for uh punching his teammate in, in, a, in a shouting match on the sideline of a really important game 
got Jada McDaniels, this great story, this great just under-the-radar player coming out of nowhere, uh, becoming one of the best young defenders in the league, really improving all parts of his game. Punches a wall at halftime, breaks his hand, and he's done for the season. You know, the the, the Timberwolves, man, they just can't get out of their own way. Um, I have a lot of Minnesota people, actually, in my life, so I, I really just hope for the best for you guys. So uh, disappointing the Timberwolves for that reason. Um, we'll see how they, you know, kind of fare uh, moving forward. Can can they get into the playoffs? We'll see what happens. Um with that, you know, touch on the CBA uh, news and, and awards. The 65-game minimum is interesting. It feels like a lot, but there's going to be stipulations around it. It sounds like it's not going to be a hard and fast 65-game rule. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. The position list of the all-NBA teams, um, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't know how much it's really going to impact things at the end of the day. Um and, you know, it is a marker of the time. When somebody looks back at basketball reference in 20 years, they're going to see, at least from an award standpoint, when the when the switch of the NBA changed from, hey, we saw this thing in a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, right? Guard, guard, forward, forward, center game to a, who, who are the five guys you can put out there? And I get that. Um, but I do, I do think there's something for man. If we end up with like five guys who are six foot three on first team one year, it's going to be strange. And, and you know, you can argue back that, hey, it's you know, if it's representative of the best five guys, you know, that's a good thing, right? If you're looking for a true snapshot of the twenty twenty six season and the best five guys were all guards, then they were all guards. My rebuttal to that, and where this is. This is my inner monologue that I'm having with myself, right, over the last week or so since we've gotten this news. My final thought to that is that's what the MVP ballot is for, right? You, you know, when you're when you're young, when you're a kid, you, you might learn who the MVPs were for a 10-year stretch, right? But as I've gotten older and, and, you know, as basketball reference has gotten bigger and become a thing, you can see, you know, that there's a ballot for a reason. You can look back at a player and say, he won MVP twice, but he was second place twice. He was third place once. He was fourth place twice. He was fifth place once. Wow. Okay. That's seven years of this guy being in the MVP conversation. That's significant. That's huge. And if you wanted a snapshot of the 2026 season, like I was saying, and you're saying these five guards were the best five players in the NBA, well, that's what the MVP ballot is for. Um, I get we want to make everything, I guess, as, and I'm sounding really old here, and I apologize, but I guess we want to make everything as easy as we can, right? Um, in terms of looking back, okay, let's get a snapshot. Boom. What was the 2026 season like? Here's the NBA champion. Here's the MVP. Here's the All-NBA, which is positionless, so it's the best five guys. Bing, bang, boom, move on. But, man, you know, it would take five minutes to say, okay, who was on the MVP ballot? Who was on all three All NBA teams? Who were the All Stars that year? Who led the league in scoring, rebounding, assists? Um, who was the All Defensive players? It doesn't take that long to do that for a season. I I do think we're losing something. Uh, if you wanted to give a little more wiggle room, one guard, one forward, one center, two wild card picks. I think that would have been pretty easy. Uh, I think it would have been uh, much more inclusive. There's so much you could do with that. You know, you could do three guards, a forward, a center. You could do three centers, um, and, and two four or and, and a guard and a four. You know, you could do so much with that. 
but it would still give you a semblance of what a basketball team looks like, what best lineup you could have put out there. The game is about that. The game is about five guys doing five, having five different things to do. No matter how positionless it gets, you still need someone to run and manage the offense. You still need someone to protect the rim um, and, and be the enforcer in terms of uh, being the first rebounder out there, right? The, the person closest to the basket, literally, um, literally about what position they're in relative to the basket and the ball. I still think that's important. So uh, it's a little bit of a bummer um, going that it's going to go full positionless. So we'll just see kind of how it shakes out. But those are just my thoughts on on the CBA and the awards updates. All right, quickly, I'm going to go through the awards ballot. Again, I'm not even going to do all the individual awards. I'm just going to go through them as I have them laid out here that I thought about. Um, if you have different things on here, I would love to hear them. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, if you, if you have my phone number, text me, uh, DM me, you know, tweet at me, whatever. I would love to hear it. Um, and I'm probably not going to argue with you. It's not because I just think I'm right. It's because, hey, I'm probably not right. And, you know, you're probably, you probably have a great argument for it. And I would love to hear it. So reach out to me with your ballot if, if you have one. Um, or if you just don't like mine and tell me why you don't like it, that's also fine. I won't argue with that either. Cause like I said, I wasn't grinding through, you know, a hundred total games, you know, uh, you know, watching five games a week, anything like that. So I have no qualms with anybody that disagrees with me about this, but here we go. MVP, the ever debated, debated MVP. Um, I'm going with Joel Embiid this year. Uh, I think he really stepped up in a lot of ways from where he's been at in the last couple of years. Jokic really tailed off at the end of the season as the Nuggets have tailed off. Embiid carried a lot, I think, from a, you know, a team standpoint, um, being in the East, a very competitive uh, conference. Um, and I just really like, you know, his, he had a lot of really key performances and a lot of really key stretches where he just, you know, I think Jokic led the best offense in the NBA. He put together the best offense as the best offensive player, but I think Embiid was the most dominant force of an individual player this season. So I'm going with Embiid, um, for, for my MVP this season and, uh, uh Bill Simmons on his podcast, uh, I enjoy Bill Simmons' podcast. I, I'm entertained by it. I don't always love the analysis, but it was it's at least entertaining. But he was the one that said, if we come out of this five-year stretch and Jokic has two MVPs, Giannis has two MVPs, and Embiid has one, that's going to feel right when you, when you look back on it. And I agree with that. So I, I think that's interesting. So I'm going with Embiid. Uh, Rookie of the year, Paolo Bencaro. Um, Coach of the year, Mike Brown from the Kings, obviously. Uh, six minute of the year. I know it's between uh, Brogdon and Quickly. I'm gonna go Quickly just because I I think um, the the impact right. I because because Brogdon has uh, Derek White there as well. So I think that's kind of a tandem thing that those guys provide together. I think Quickly what he provides. You could argue you know Quentin Grimes does a lot of that stuff too. But I I think Quickly's impact singularly for his team from him. Um, is more significant to the team. But if you want to go Brogdon there, I totally understand. Um, and by the way, MVP, if you go Giannis, Jokic, or Embiid, I'm totally good with it. If you try to make a case for you know somebody else, I might actually argue with that one a little bit. But um, th those are my picks for those ones. Defensive player of the year is interesting. I think Brooke Lopez, Evan Mobley, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are kind of the top three at this point. Um, and I can see a lot of the arguments. Brooke Lopez has some of the best advanced stats defensively, some of the best contest numbers um, on one of the best defenses. He's the center who's transformed as a defensive player. But unfortunately, to his discredit, 
he has a lot of great defenders around him. I mean, Drew Holiday at the point of attack and then Giannis roaming around really helps you and allows you to do a lot of things defensively, but still a great defensive season. Brooke, Jaron Jackson Jr. might actually be, you know, on a per-minute basis, the best defender in the league. So if you want to go that way, I totally get it. Um, the impact he has, the, the shot blocking, the rim protection numbers on him are great. Um, you watch him and you know he's a great, great, great player. You know he's a fantastic defender and he he's the reason for that defense in Memphis. But I do have an issue with the fouling. Um, I do have an issue with the availability. He plays 28 minutes a game and it's because of foul trouble. Commits over three and a half fouls per game. He he does lead the league in blocks, and that's great. Three three blocks a game, that's awesome. Um, but and you know, sixty three games. If I, you know, for defense, if I'm saying okay, this guy's the defensive player of the year, I'm counting on this person to make my team a good defensive team. And then and then you turn around and and Jaron Jackson is you know sixty three games, um, twenty eight minutes a night. Three and a half fouls per game. I know he's in and out a lot for foul trouble. There's a large portion of that game, right? 20 minutes of that game where I just can't count on Jackson being out there. And that's that's tough. If you're going to be the defensive player of the year, the individual best defensive player in the entire league, I have to feel like I you're you can make my defense elite, elite, elite at any point of the game, any point of the season. And I think Jaron Jackson just kind of leaves a, a little bit to be desired on that end. So, I mean, kind of by default of those three finalists, I'm, I guess I go with Evan Mobley. You know, the things he, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's incredible. Best defense in the league, 79 games, 34 minutes a night. Um, he's at one and a half blocks a game, but his weak side help impact, his length, his athleticism, his defensive instincts are are just huge and fantastic. And I think he's such a big part of why that Cleveland defense is so great. Um, again, if you want to go with Jaron Jackson, I'm totally fine with that. I totally get it. But I, I think Evan Mobley is a guy that I can put on that on my team. And I know, I know my defense is going to be great at all times because I know he's going to be out there for me. And I know he's going to make an impact on every play for me. Um, those are my big individual awards. My all NBA teams. Again, this is just for fun, everybody. Uh, Joel Embiid, obviously Giannis and Tatum are taking my forward spots. I don't think there's too much argument there. Shea Gilgis Alexander, fantastic year from him and, and Donovan Mitchell. Um, I was really high on Cleveland going into this season. Um, he was a big part of that and and he stepped up and, and he delivered on, you know, what I think we we're all expecting. So those are my five on the first team again, Embiid, Giannis, Tatum, Shea and Donovan Mitchell. Um, all NBA second team, obviously Jokic is my second team center. Um, I have Luca as my second team guard. Uh, there's a good argument for guard or forward, and I was always coach, and I always coach. You are who you you know your your position is what you guard, and Doncic isn't guarding guards for the most part. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's because he's guarding forwards. He's just guarding on whoever he can hide on, basically is what it is. And and he's just so much of a guard on offense that I think that you know, kind of gray area for what he does defensively or doesn't do defensively. I, I feel comfortable putting him at guard, but I get if you want to make him a forward on your team. Um, but I have Doncic. I have De'Aaron Fox at guard as well. Shout out De'Aaron Fox. Um, that, my 2019 Kings blog, you can find it on the internet somewhere. Um, uh, just so glad it all came together for, for De'Aaron Fox this season. And my forwards are Jimmy Butler and Julius Randle. Uh, just uh, nothing, nothing I really need to say about those guys. Just... Very great production uh, from both of them. 
um, the the leadership that those guys bring. And then, you know, Randall had a huge back back bounce back season uh, for the Knicks after a down season last year. So really happy with those guys this year. And I think they're both very deserving. All NBA third team. This is usually for me, I see as this is the legacy team, right? This is the, you can't have so-and-so off of the all NBA team, even if he missed some games, his team was bad. Uh, you know, this is usually a legacy pick for me. I, I will start off with the guys that I think just merit needing to be listed as one of the best 15 players in the NBA this season. Right. So my two guys for that are, are Demonis bonus is my third team center. I think that's pretty easy. Um, and Jalen Brown for the Celtics. Uh, I think he continues to get better every year and the Celtics have been such a good team all year. I think it's fitting that they get two guys. Um, and, and then I have three legacy guys on here, uh, three you know, guys that are in that top 75, three guys that are in the hall of famers, uh, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Damian Lillard. Um, I forget, let's see how many games did Damian Lillard end up playing? He got shut down for the last nine. So ostensibly he could have played probably six, seven, eight more games, but he was in the high fifties, 58 games. That's gonna, um, you know, if, if he didn't get shut down by the Trailblazers, I might even meet the lofty goals that the NBA is setting with that 65 game mark. Um, so, so you could say he probably could have gotten there or, or at least pretty close to that. So, but the season he had, I mean, it was just, I mean, bonkers. Some just crazy nights 32 points a game, seven assists, five rebounds. Um, oh, was that a, almost a career high in rebounds? But I, I think, again, just for what the third team is. Um, it, it's hard to leave him off. Uh, John Morant's an interesting figure in this. Uh, that was the one guy that kind of got left off for me. Um, and I think for number of games played for him as well, and just everything going on, it's just okay. This he he can be off the team this year. Um, but Jock great season 20, 26 eight six. Um, so I went with uh Dame, Steph, LeBron. As I mentioned, those three guys are just they're they're the ones that when you when you look back at you know, their basketball reference pages, you're going to see all these accolades, individual and team. Um, you're going to see Hall of Fame next to their name. You're going to scroll through and you might see a couple all NBA third teams. And to me, that just means, hey, you know, you click on it, you go a little bit further into it. Hey, played less than 60 games. Hey, the team wasn't that good that year. But these guys, especially LeBron and Steph, um, if you want to argue Dame can be off for somebody else, I would argue that uh, pound for pound, he had better individual season than, than Steph and LeBron. So it's hard to, you know, discount that as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, just a quick run. I don't need to go any further on those guys, but th those are my all NBA teams. I'd love to hear from anybody else that, that has any, you know, if they want to move some guys around on it, if they have other guys that I left off, I would totally get it. Um, this is just from the perspective I was at this year, things I was listening, reading and what I did get to watch. So uh, though that's my opening uh, a little long on this one I don't think it's gonna be quite as long moving forward but it is a ton of fun love talking hoops whenever I can even if it's just myself um, but we are now going to turn to our conversation with Bria Mario about the WNBA draft please uh, make sure you guys go go get WNBA league pass we talk about it in the in the pod but 25 bucks for the whole season not even a month one $25 payment watch all the WNBA games this season ton of fun really excited to be covering this league again really excited to have Mario and Brie on to talk about the draft so uh thank you all so much for listening enjoy
All right, Bree and Mario are here. We're going to talk WNBA draft. Uh, Bree, what's going on? Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Such a pleasure to be here as always. Absolutely. Yes, it, it feels it feels very good. It feels very at home to be right back into the WNBA swing of things, having you guys back on. So super glad we got to do this so soon after the uh, off-season recap. Mario, welcome back. How's it going? Going good. Thanks for having me back as well. Absolutely. Yes, we're going to talk WNBA draft, which was an event that took place. Uh, fun moments, not as fun moments. Uh, we're going to focus on the positive ends, though. If you want to see the things fans didn't like, just hop on Twitter and see see what people were talking about. Uh, but we're here to talk about the players, the teams, things they did, things we liked, things we we're maybe a little confused by. Um if you don't follow the WNBA, we'll hopefully answer some questions about why this is different than your typical draft for a, a lot of different sports, not only just the NBA, but the NFL as well. Uh, there's there's a very different vibe when it comes to, okay, what am I trying to accomplish in the WNBA draft versus a draft in another league? So I even have some follow-up questions to that. I think my um, confusing team that I'm going to pick, uh, Brian, Mario are going to help me try and figure out what's going on there, but, um, let's start with you, Mario, and let's start on a positive note. What team do you think won the draft on Monday night? I mean, I could say my Connecticut son, but realistically, I will say uh, that the Indian Fever, obviously, uh, we one of the up-and-coming, growing teams. They have a lot of talent already on there, but they got Aaliyah Boston, probably, you know, obviously the best player in the draft, best uh, post. Um, she can do everything defensively, all those type of things. Um, just having her, I think that makes them, you know, doing best, but then they added um, a whole bunch of other pieces um, as well around there. So Grace Berger, um, who also um, is a shooter, a defender, things like that. Um, so they added a couple of good pieces. Um, they're young. I think having that freedom and drafting players with a lot of talent uh, was going to help them out um, a lot. So I think the Fever won this draft. Um, you can say some other teams maybe run, but I, I think the, the Fever is the best. Yeah, the Fever definitely needed to capitalize. I mean, they had five picks in the top 20 last year, four in the first round. We saw all five of those players um, make the roster and play. And obviously, it didn't go so well. They ended up with the first overall pick for a reason. It was really a tough year for Indiana all the way through. So um, continuing an injection of talent, I think will be good. But Bree... You you had tweeted during the draft that you were a little confused by the fever, right? What what did you think once once the draft wrapped up, those five picks that had come through for Indiana? What were your thoughts on, on the fever? I was just confused on why they got like it seemed like they got a lot of bigs. I was kind of confused on that. Um, and then I just didn't think they were playing to like what they needed for what they already had, like building off what they already had. I think they were going for the best players, which is usually what you should do in the draft, but it didn't seem like they were putting their puzzle pieces together for what they um, had already there. And that's what I was kind of confused about, but I felt that way yeah. about another team as well. And we'll get into that a little later too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. The, the, the fever, there's two sides to this, right. And, and the, the team building aspect and how you should use the draft to build your team um, is the thing that, 
I always question with the draft, right? And, and usually the answer is just, did you come out with good players? For Indiana, you know, it's TBD on that. But yeah, hopefully you're just taking the best players, especially when, and what, what I can see in terms of the W and how the draft works is the turnover for your rosters, especially for young players, you know, comes and goes pretty quickly, right? You have you have a 12-person roster. Most teams go through the season with just 11 because of cap restrictions and cap issues. Um, gives them a little bit of flexibility. And you see them go to camp with so many new players. And, and especially, it feels like these last couple of years here, the draft has been dominated quantity-wise by a handful of teams. So we'll talk about, I think, a team or two here coming up that just have six or seven picks and you try to bring all these players to camp, you might walk out with one actually joining your team. It's a, it's a very, it's very different and very, you know, strange kind of place to be in, I think for, for the draft, but Indiana, I think, yeah, just trying to bring some, uh, bring as much talent to camp as possible. See what kind of shakes out. I do like, um, that the one-two punch that they're going to have, bringing in Aaliyah Boston now to go with uh, Alyssa Smith from last year, the second overall pick, who had a great rookie season. Um, a lot of the WNBA still played through the post. You know, we talked about last year how it's you you have a guard essentially, right? You get your lead ball handler and then you play through the post. Um, there are a handful of teams that still do that, uh, and they got those two down there to kind of uh, help them shepherd through that. So uh, Indiana just getting players, making good picks. I think for the most part, we'll see how it shakes out though. Bree, let's, uh, let's go ahead and hit your team on who won the draft. What do you got? I think the Minnesota Lynx won the draft. Um, I really do. I think they, they getting Diamond Miller, uh, Dorka falling to the second round, which I don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, also getting Bree Bill and then grabbing Taylor in the third round. It was like, mm-hmm. They just they just got a lot of good talent and also fitting again fitting within pieces, having you know a defender, um, coming off with Bree and then Diamond's going to be kind of I feel like will pretty much be who they build around in the future as well. But having someone who's already played in those positions before, um, on the team already like vets that can guide her and Natalie or you know and Nafisa Collier people who played like her before can kind of coach her up and just get them to that next level. They already have, like, Kayla McBride, who can be a great guard for them, Ariel Power. So it's just looking like they won the draft, picking the best players and picking who's going to fit where. Like, it seemed like they were very deliberate in who they were going to get off the um, table, like, going through, like, is this person still available? This is who we want. And it looks like they, to me, it looks like they got exactly who they wanted and uh, what they were looking for. Um considering how they played last year and considering what they picked up um, in the draft this year. So I think they did a great job with that. Um, Cheryl Reeves and, you know, uh, Katie Smith did a great job in picking um, in the draft, just going based off what they had and seeing like what they're going to do in the future. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be competing for the spots that they picked for as well. Like there's not going to be anyone who's like, Oh, Dorka is going to have to fight with so-and-so for minutes. Like, no, she's going to go and fit in exactly where we need her to be. I don't think anyone's going to be fighting with Diamond for a spot. Like, no, she's going to come in and play exactly where she wants to be. The only person who may have to fight, quote-unquote, fight for a position or for minutes is Taylor, in my opinion. And that's just because, you know, they do have people in that forward position. But she's still kind of 5'11". She can, you know, mix it up a little bit, go 
play the point guard or go to that small forward uh, shooting guard wing spot as well. So it looks like they're going to do pretty good with what they got. So I'm, you know, excited to see what the Lynx do. I'm a Minnesota Lynx fan. Um, I have been for since I was little, you know, Maya Moore was there. I've seen them win a championship going all the way back there. So it looks like they may have, you know, a run in the East with the roster and with, with this roster and with who they picked up. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, the Lynx were were starting to come around at the end of last year a little bit. They they were making a little bit of a run. You could tell they were trying to to build something with some of these players and to walk into the the second overall pick, where it's very talented top end of this draft, um, and, and secure Diamond Miller. We talked a lot last year. You know, we we just mentioned the playthrough. You have one ball handler at, at the lead guard spot, and then you have your post players. Last year, we talked about how there was a deficiency kind of in the wing position. That's why Ryan Howard, as the first overall pick, kind of walked in as this breath of fresh air of, I can rebound, I can protect the rim, but I can also shoot threes, I can handle the ball. I'm a Miller being listed as a 6'3 shooting guard um, really kind of gets you excited for what that possibility could be as we kind of continue to build, right? We we have seen this in the NBA where, you know, 10 years ago, if you were 6'9", you were a center, right? And now if you're 6'9", you better be able to shoot the three, handle the ball, and play small forward. Um, because if you're 6'9", you're going up against, you know, the only people that are playing center now are 7'1 in the NBA. Um, fast forward to now, the W, we're seeing these 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", players who might have been pure post players uh, walking in a league even five years ago. And some of them are going to handle the ball and play this wing position. So I think that's going to be very exciting for not only, you know, the W and the fans, but also the teams. It's because you're talking about that versatility and being able to put people in certain places and and not feel like you're you're fighting for minutes. Feel like players are playing off of each other. Diamond Miller being a six three wing player who can score and do multiple things really fits well with that. So I think just starting off there is a great place to be. And then at the end of the first round, you take um, Maya Hirsch, who I think is probably going to be a stash player. I think that's what everybody seems to be thinking. But for Dorka to be sitting there in the second round, they're like, okay, this is a player that can just walk in and, and play, right? You know, this isn't going to be, you know, uh, probably not a starter, but probably not, if you were, not even somebody that's going to be counted on a lead team. But this is a person that can play right away and, and play in the post right at six five we're talking about these post players um very important to have I, I i do like that one kind of a kind of a no nonsense draft right you, you have your two picks in the first round one's a stash you get a player that can play in the second free appeal uh, falling to you at the end of the second round um that's a player that if she makes the team you know can play so so yeah i like that draft as well mario what, what were your thoughts on minnesota yeah, I thought they did a good job. Like Bree said, they, they're going to plug your players. I'm kind of scared. Like they have like so many kind of vets on your team and, you know, experienced like players, at least with three or four years experience, um, that they're going to have to make decisions. Um, and ultimately, you know, I feel like one of those, one or two of those rookies may get cut, which sucks because I think Bria Bill and Dorka are definitely WNBA players. Uh, I'm still shocked that. She free up fell to the second round. Both of them really fall to the second round. Uh, but for sure, obviously, Diamond Miller's going to be on the roster. Uh, but I'm wondering if it's going to come down to either one of them or if they actually 
make a way to include all, all three of them um, within their collaboratory. So. Yeah, the the idea of, you know, we mentioned um, the team building aspect and, and how, I think we said this at the beginning, but how few of these players actually end up playing on the team as, as rookies and making the team. We have 36 picks. Um, I was, I was going through it. I'll get, I'll get firm up the stats for, for a future show, but you know, your first round picks are typically on the team. Um, your second round picks historically, at least over the last five years or so, you're looking at three or four players that really end up making a team and, and being part of the rotation. And then once you get into the third round, I mean, you're, you're talking, there might be one that, that becomes a, a player in, in her first couple of years. Um, so it, it'll be, it, it'll be tough and, but interesting to see. And yeah, I think Dorka, even as a second round pick feels like she should be on a team somewhere. So, so we'll just have to continue to monitor that. Um, my team for winter, you guys, you guys snagged, you know, picks one and two. Very, very interesting of you. Wow. That's great. No, but, uh, I like what the dream did. I like what Atlanta did. Um, getting Haley Jones there at the, I think it was the sixth pick. Um, really felt like a solid pick to me because they need a, a influx of scoring and at pick six you're not necessarily going to get somebody that's going to come in and get buckets by the way you already have ryan howard who did that last year as a rookie only going to get better i like the idea of a, a point forward a big guard who can get out and transition and speed this team up a little bit um I was on I was on ESPN.com after the draft and MA Vopal does the draft grades for ESPN and, and they gave Atlanta a B and, and they said, you know, oh, they didn't add a shooter. This team needs more scoring. Well, you know, the dream, they they were seventh last year and made and attempted three pointers. And they were fourth in percentage, right? So to me, for a good shooting percentage team, but only average of taking them, that's more a coaching stylistic thing. You're, you're not doing that. So yeah, you could go get a shooter to stand in the corner. How many threes is she going to take, right? Two or three? How's that really going to help? I like the idea of Haley coming in and pushing the pace a little bit. Get the pace up. Get Ryan out on the fast break. Oh, and by the way, you trade for Alicia Gray in the offseason, who had her best season shooting the three. Uh, essentially, it was two of five uh, uh, per game, shooting 40%. Um, you put those three together on this team, I think the offense is going to go up I won't say pretty substantially, but, but pretty fluidly, pretty organically, just by pushing the pace and getting a little bit more playmaking. Because we saw Ryan have to do a lot as a rookie, which is why we saw her have to kind of tail off towards the end of the year, took a lot on her plate. Ailey coming in with size, with the playmaking ability, is something I'm interested to see and in, in how that all fits together. Um, Bree, what were your thoughts on Atlanta? And really, it was just that first pick. I mean, they had another pick in the first round, Letitia M here, but... Um, which I think from a developmental situation could be interesting with that length and uh, with what, you know, Ryan can do. Um, I think it gives them a chess piece for the future. Uh, but, but really this pick was about Haley for me. So I, I really like that. Bree, what were your thoughts on the dream? I actually started writing um, when you wrote it down, I started writing about Atlanta and then I started digging deeper into uh, the links and I'm like, I want to pick the links. But yeah, my initial thoughts were that, you know, adding Haley and Lee Brown would like get them a lot, actually get them scoring too. So I don't think just yeah. like ESPN saying that they missed out on scoring. I didn't necessarily see that um, yeah. either. And Haley is a 6'2 
I I call her a guard. I think Haley yeah. can you know run mm-hmm. the floor too. So mm-hmm. uh, like I actually I actually you know I'm I'm an Atlanta fan too. So I'm not I don't want to say I fan at everybody, but you know I like Atlanta. I'm Ryan. Just Howard a, just fan. eleven teams, right? There there's just one that you don't like. <laughs> Maybe Sorry, Mario. Maybe yeah, I, I think that's true because I, I like the Sparks too as well. So I'm gonna but yes. <laughs> But yeah, like I really liked um how Atlanta drafted uh this 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 draft. I think they did a great job. I, I honestly too. So I'm right with you on that. I actually, that's really funny because I, I I put I I believe the the dream is the winner of the draft. They got some solid players to match within the offense, especially adding Haley and Lee Brown who get them scoring. And then I started going back. I'm like, eh, I think I want to talk more about the Lynx pick. So I'm with you on that side. Mario, give us your most confusing team from the draft the other night. My most confusing team is the Dallas Wings for a lot of different reasons. Maddie Seagrass is a fantastic pick. Um, got to see her hoop when she paid, played Marquette, um, destroyed us, obviously. Uh, but she's awesome. Um, she's a really good player. Uh, I am confused because I won't say I don't think they needed more scoring, but obviously they traded Alicia Gray away. So then it's like, all right, we kind of do need more scoring. So Maddie Seagrass fills that role. Um, I liked their first couple picks, so I did not mind um, having many secrets. I was surprised that they traded um, their, their uh, traded to get Stephanie Soros. Um, I think Lou Lopez was also a Big East player from UConn. She's a playmaker, so I think she was a perfect kind of fit for that. But whether we either have to see how well Arike plays off the ball, because typically it's like Arike, you're the point guard, it's your ball, you know, you score, you pass, you do whatever. Um, But I think it'll take pressure off of her, which is nice, but it was a little confusing. I was trying to figure out like, all right, where are they? What are they doing? Um, Then they drafted Abby Meyer. They have a lot of picks. That's really what it is. They don't have enough roster space for for all these picks that they had. Um, I think they should have, um, either stash them, they should stash them, or they should have traded some away. Uh, I think it was also interesting. Um, the Mystics, I, this, is, this is kind of backtracking. I don't think they're like a confusing team. Uh, I kind of had a revelation. They're smart. First of all, their team is very good. Um, they didn't really need a draft pick. Why waste, you know, can, you know, try to build up a young talent when their team is already good enough to probably compete. Um, and plus, they get a future round pick from the Wings, who – who knows what they're going to look like? Um, I don't know if I call the Wings a contender or anything like that this year or in the coming years because of how kind of, I think, stacked their roster is as far as the backcourt. I think their backcourt is a lot of different uh, players within that. Um, and even drafting forward, you still got Charlie Collier, who kind of played, who was injured, still trying to play, all those type of things. So they're going to have a lot of decisions to make. I just think they use so many draft picks. Um, and not, they don't have enough roster spots to accommodate. We're going to come back to the Mystics a little later. Just a, just a quick tease. But um, Dallas, I knew one of you was going to bring up Dallas. I'm sure Bree's crossing them off and frantically trying to pick another one right now. Um, I This is a, one of those cases of, I don't think any of these picks individually are bad players. You just, you said it, you just continue to stack what feels like the same player over and over again it kind and it, you know it kind of boils down to what we were talking about where you're playing the playing the odds you're playing the numbers they trade alicia gray they trade marina mabry maybe this was just a case of them saying we're gonna pick five guard wing types that can score and hopefully two of them can replace those two 
and, and maybe one comes is, is a bench player and the other two we're just going to have to cut or maybe three have to cut but we're just playing the odds here it's like it's like doubling up in, in the nfl draft on, on you know two two receivers because you're hoping that one of them is a player for you right that that's kind of what it feels like Bree, is that is that kind of what you were thinking for dallas or did you have any other dallas thoughts um no, because I picked them. Like, I picked Dallas. I wrote so much about how confusing they were. I knew you guys were both going to have Dallas. What, just, what What did you think? What What else did you think about Dallas? I just think they picked, like, literally picked a bunch of players who played the same position. And it was even weirder because they played the same position as their star. Like, you're having people, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. And it was just a very confusing string of picks, um, especially knowing that, you know, your star player is ball dominant and it's going to need to, you know, produce a lot of, not, I won't say Arike. Arike can get buckets regardless. She's been like that. But um, yeah, Arike is getting her buckets. It's, it's yeah, not going to affect like, Arike at all. <laughs> you know, but. It was just it was just really weird. I thought they probably would I I thought they were gonna try to get a playmaker or a significant post player, like a, a post player that would be very beneficial. And they just said no, we're gonna we're gonna get the same person over and over and over and over and over again. But hey, I don't know. Maybe it'll work. Maybe they're trying some, you know, Golden State offense over there. And we're just hoping to see it happen. We don't know. So but that's exactly what I picked as well um, to talk about is my confusing team. Um, he stole my notes earlier, but. <laughs> when he was moving the headphones. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So that's just my thoughts on them. Hopefully they do something that's like that wows us. But again, like Mario said, I don't think they're going to be not to speak bad on any team, but it's not like they're going to be a super big contender in the west right now so i don't know it was it was just kind of odd but yeah uh yeah so dallas uh definitely felt like they were it was almost like that they were copy pasting the the description of all the players and not really because you know some of them uh i think lou lopez uh was a little bit more of a playmaker ashley jones a little more work in in the mid-range uh but abby little more off the bounce but but everybody was just kind of like a when you translate the description in your head to what they're going to be like at the pro level it's it's shooter slash secondary you know creator basically and just i i still really i i'm holding to they're just banking on two of these hopefully becoming starters and, and just filling filling a starting spot um let's move on to my most confusing team mario mentioned them so I'm really excited to get your guys' take on this because as much as I'm trying to get my head around how the W uh, does these things, I, I, can't, I can't understand this or, or get with this part. So the Washington Mystics is who I'm talking about. Uh, very complete team. Uh, they, they still have their core from last year, uh, which was a, a very strong team, especially on the defensive end. And uh, they, they really only had one roster change uh, in the top eight of their rotation in the starting lineup where Alicia Clark, the, the wing, is out going to Breeze Aces. Uh, guard Brittany Sykes from the, Lake, or from the Lakers, from the Sparks comes in. Um, still a defensive-minded player, right, which is what Alicia Clark, Clark was bringing. A little more of a guard body type, 
Um, so that'll be interesting. This is where I was confused. Are they just planning to go to this more traditional WNBA three guard lineup with, with the two posts? Um, are, are they doing something else that's unexpected? I thought being here at four with the roster the way it was was a good opportunity to get one of these wings. Um, maybe a Leticia M here, who we mentioned earlier, maybe a Jordan Horston, who went later in the first round to Seattle. Um, they trade the fourth overall pick for a 2024 second rounder and a 2025 first rounder. The team basically came out and said, we love the 2025 draft. And we're really excited to have two first round picks in it. And to me, I'm just like, dang, man, you're, you're planning way far out when you've got, you've got the Liberty and the aces, you know, loading up the way they are. Are you telling the league and the fans, you're just like punning on these two years and you're like, Hey, wait for our draft in 2025. Like the way this team is built, they're, they're in such a good position to build both now and for the future because Shakira Austin third overall pick last year is a player. Um, this was a great opportunity to get a, another player that could contribute right away, but also be around for the long term with Shakira. If you don't think, Ariel Atkins and Tasha Cloud and Elena Del Don are going to be here in two years. But I, I need someone to work this through uh, with me. So, Bree, let's start with you. Um, what did you think of Washington trading that that first-round pick? Uh, and just from a team-building perspective, did, did you like to move or not? I think they are becoming more aware of the way that the league is going, and they're preparing themselves for that. Um, I think seeing that the way that we're getting to that superstar level team up that we haven't seen in the past, um, where players are like joining forces, um, New York, you know, we'll see it. We've seen it a little bit in Seattle, but, you know, uh, New York um, and Vegas and we'll probably see it in, in L.A., I'm pretty sure. They just want to be ready, I think. Um, they want to be ready for what the future looks like. And in 2025, I think that's Angel Reese or Caitlin. That's Angel Reese and Caitlin's year. So they want, you know, they want to be ready for when that comes out. And they're like, hey, if, you know, we're going to be wanting to either trade that pick for a star or, you know, get one of those type of player so I just think they're just trying to prepare themselves for what their future looks like um and just you know playing to the strengths of the way that the league is going we're we're getting a lot bigger um players are becoming more aware of what other teams are able to offer I didn't know how much of the business side we miss out on until Candace Parker was like I haven't had a locker and I was like wait what do you mean like you know, so players are like, oh, well, now I didn't know they had that in Vegas. I didn't know they had that in, you know, New York. Like, I want that. So I think they're just trying to prepare themselves for the future of the way that the league is going and protect themselves for the future. And so that, that's what I looked at. It was like a protection pick. I don't think they're going to try to tank or anything. It's more of them just like protecting themselves for the way that the league is going and making sure that they're ready to compete um, two years down the line as well, as much as they are now. That's my thoughts. Yeah, and it's definitely not a situation where they needed this pick to stay relevant, right? They 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 were fifth in the league last year, tied for fourth. Um, it just it, it felt like an opportunity for them to to make a leap. The, the four teams ahead of them in the standing last year, uh, the Aces obviously at the top still going to be there. 
but the sky, the sun, and the storm have all taken a step back in terms of their roster. Um, it just it felt like you know with when you have the Liberty on your tail, you have Mercury who are looking to be better this season. You have the Dream who are looking to be better this season. Felt like an opportunity to take this fourth overall pick and do something. But hey, maybe this was maybe in their eyes this was a two to three player draft, and, and just being on the outside of that wasn't going to make a big difference. It wasn't someone that was going to play for them right away. Mario, you you hinted at the Mystics earlier. Um, what, what what are your what are your total thoughts on on the Mystics and, and trading that pick? Yeah, I think long term, I think it's a smart move. I I I think I don't think any player that they would have probably drafted in this draft would have been able to get minutes. I think that's the big thing, probably um, at least not right now or probably you know in a year. So it, it probably was like because I think Don and Don just probably going to be there. Probably the rest of her career. She's a little bit older. Um, by 2025, she'll be 36. Um, so maybe by that point, she may be thinking retirement and things like that, and maybe thinking, all right, it's time to hang them up. And that's just kind of to have that in the back burner or stuff like that. Plus, I think it also provides more leverage for them too, though. Um, not only for 2025, but also let's say, you know, this year they're like, all right, we're doing really, really well, but it's like we need one more piece to come up, get over the hump. They can look to trade that pick throughout the season too. So that's also something they can use as a trade piece. Even if they see somebody they like next year, let's say there's a breakout one star, I mean college basketball that's going to be in the draft, they could still trade that pick and be like, yeah, let's let's trade this between five and just do it right away. Or you know, if they look to build something right now, like obviously already have their core together still essentially, um, they can say, all right, we need one more piece. Uh, but I don't really don't see any their starting lineup changing at all because of how talented really they are and they're all still there. So um, I think that's the big thing. But also maybe at some point they'll be like, we'll need more bench scoring or whatever it may be, and they could use that pick for leverage and illustrate. The the idea of if if they're targeting, if there's a player that they're hoping to trade for during the season, or they're just waiting for the next shoe to drop in terms of a star who wants to trade teams, because we've definitely seen that in the last calendar year obviously multiple stars have, have been traded or, or moved teams so um that would that would be interesting if, if something like that were to i just being a washington basketball fan in general i know what it looks like when the team thinks oh we're fine as is we don't have to do anything else right that's how uh, you guys are like lakers people that that's how kyle kuzma is gonna just get the bag from from washington here this offseason um and I'm, I just sit there. And I'm like, this was an opportunity to to really vault yourself and, and thinking that, oh, we'll just roll right in with, with basically the same team and we'll still be really good and have a puncher's chance. Um, I just I've seen that fail too many times. But, you know, I, this is still a good team top to bottom uh, in two years, even if this team doesn't do anything in the playoffs, you'll, you'll hopefully feel the benefit of of that trade. Those picks should hopefully work out. Um, but until then, TBD, we'll just see what the team that's already put together is going to do for us. So let's wrap up. We'll, we'll go through uh, and, and kind of zoom in a bit. We've been looking at teams. If there if there's a most interesting pick individually for any of you guys, and it could be good, bad, it could just be a pick you're excited for, it could be a pick you're not excited for. Um, I, I left this one more open-ended. So uh, Mario, let's start with you this time. Your most interesting pick 
of the draft? What, what was the one pick? Are you going to pick the you know third round, third overall pick that the Connecticut Sun made, or, or what do you got here? Read my mind. Read my mind. Um, I'm going for the second round pick, though. Uh, okay. So 22nd overall, uh, Alexis Morris. She had a great, great, great tournament. Um, I love watching her play. Um, obviously, they won a national championship, and she was a huge part of it. Um, and I really like her game. I'm very excited to see her, but I'm very scared as well because we have too many ball handlers and guards currently on our team. So I'm really more excited to see what ends up with her and hopefully it ends up on the team by the end of the year. But I think she's very talented, deserves a roster spot. Not saying no one on our roster doesn't deserve a spot, um, but I think um, she's a good, she's a good, nice scoring guard. And I think we need more scoring, especially when we lost uh, Courtney Williams now, now that we lost her. Um, I think she, she reminds me a little bit of her. Obviously she's not just pulling mid-ranges, but she can shoot three. She's a little shorter, um, but she, she has that heart. She's tough. She, you know, she's great defensively. Um, so I think, I think she's a good part. And that, that kind of speaks to who, you know, the Sun is as a team anyway, you know, defensive, hard nose, things like that. That's the type of player she is. So I was very happy that I was shocked that she fell all the way down, but I'm happy that the Connecticut Sun um, took her and hopefully they, they keep her and try to see what she could contribute to the team uh, throughout the season. But she was one, uh, but there's also another one, but I know what Breeze is, so I won't steal it. Um, so I'll let Bree touch on hers, but um, I really like um, Morris coming to our team. I'm sure that one is also a, a Bree player. Uh, it'll be interesting for Connecticut. I really do think there's a path to, to her making the roster because, you know, obviously you, you mentioned um, Courtney Williams, uh, I believe, left in free agency, but they also traded uh, your favorite player, Jasmine Thomas, who, who you mentioned frequently on, on last year's pods, how much they were missing her. Um, this would be an interesting opportunity. New, new coaching staff. Uh, a new young guard coming in, you know, we'll see what, what can happen there, but Bree, anything on that pick? Um, I, I, like I said, I'm sure that was a U player as well, but, and then from there go on into, into an interesting pick on your end. Yeah. I love that pick um, as well. You know, even though she's going to play for, Hey, that's, that's neither here nor there. I love that pick. I'm excited to see what she's going to do in the league. Um, I love scoring, you know, guard. So that's going to be very, 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 very interesting to see what she does. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I might be a player. to. I might watch watch their games just to see her um, do what she has to do. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then in two years, when she signs with the Aces, you'll you'll be ready to go. Of course. You know, we are always recruiting. Anybody who wants to come be a champion, come to Vegas. You already know. Um, but, yeah, so my pick is – Actually, um, it's going to be Seattle's pick, around two pick, pick nine. Um, why do you look shocked, Mario? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. You just confused me. All right, but yeah, Doshi uh, thinking <laughs> uh, <laughs> out of uh, the University of South Florida. I've seen her play against Marquette. Um, for March in the in the in the tournament, and I was like, "Wow, she's she's really good." Like you know, USF didn't really get a lot of um, I don't want like 
attention. They didn't get much attention, but she can score uh, at a high level. She's six four, so um, she's going to be able to get a lot of boards. She has a size and athleticism to play in the league for a very long time, I believe. In the strength, sometimes you don't really see the strength um, with players mm-hmm. of those that height, but she's very strong as well. Um, she's going to be in Seattle, so I think she's going to be able to play in that seven or eight spot and get uh, some minutes because they're yeah. not. Not to say that, you know, the, she's going to be able to to get time there um, just due to the roster that they have right now. And a lot of players in. leave in the offseason. Yep. Yeah. So she's going to fit in there pretty quickly, um, pretty good. And, you know, she's going to be able to grab a lot of rebounds. I think she averaged like 12 boards in mm-hmm. college. Um, and she's going to be able to score at a very high percentage down the post. I don't think she's going to be competing too much down there for, for minutes again in that position itself. Um, and playing with Jewel, I feel like, you know, once that happens, if she's ever, if they are on the court or in the rotation at the same time, the pick and roll there would look really nice. Like I'm, so I'm super excited to see what that would look like. Um, and I think Seattle actually, got very 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 lucky with that pick in my opinion I think they got really really lucky with that pick just mainly because I I did not think she would still be available around that time um so that's a sleeper pick so I, I always like the sleeper picks and you know that, that was a big one for me so um I think I think she's gonna actually have a a, a very long career in the W um so yeah Color me shocked. I did not see Bree walking in here talking about a six four rebounding post player um, as her as her most interesting pick. Mario also doesn't know what to do. Just despondent over there. Mario, respond to that. I, I do like it though. I'm with you. Uh, Seattle just going, you know, losing a bunch of players this offseason. Get as many good players as you can. Um, they'll all probably have a good chance to make the team. Mario, any response to that pick? And then go ahead and give the give the other one you had mentioned um, that you thought Bree was going to take. Yeah, that's a good pick, Bree. You threw me way off. I thought you were going to say Zaya because, you know, Zaya Cook fell to the Sparks. Our team, 10, perfect fit. Um, great guard, uh, defender. Uh, offensively, she's going to be a beast. It's something I think the the Sparks need uh, at the guard position is the scoring. Like, obviously, they have Jasmine Thomas now who's going to be a great defender, you know, distributor. But um, I think if we can bring her off the bench to be like, all right, go ahead, go crazy, you know, Enrique, be Enrique or whatever. I mean, but basically, do what you do, uh, score. Um, and her demeanor and everything, I really love how she competes and everything like that. Bree, I thought you were going to say Zaya. You really threw me for a loop there. So I was just going to be like, all right, I would just hype Bree up and like, yeah, 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 you're right. But Essentially, uh, I think Zaya Cook, uh, she was my other pick where I was like, I'm very excited. I think she's a perfect fit. Uh, they did something right. Well, they've done a couple of things right now since they've kind of brought in the new, you know, coach and everything like that. But um, they're going to be, they're going to be very competitive, very, very competitive. Um, they always are. But I think this year um, is going to be much more than it's been previous years. Yeah, I will say Zaya is my favorite player in the draft, but. She wasn't the most interesting pick to me, but she's my favorite player in the draft, period. And she will be wearing an Aces jersey in three years. Don't worry about it. We're already recruiting. Don't even worry. <laughs> oh, man. So, so yeah, finding Breeze players in the draft has become uh, pretty easy. Well, really, just anywhere. It has, has <laughs> become pretty easy. Mar- Mario's a little tougher. I'll, 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 figure, I'll figure Mario out over the course of the season. Um if you guys don't have another one, I'll throw mine out there. My most, the one I'm most excited for, I'll say, 
Um, I think you guys are finding out what I'm valuing pretty easily here as well. Jordan Horston from Tennessee going to Seattle as well. Let me also hop on the, the Seattle train. Um, six two point forward gets out in transition. Some of the passes that Jordan throws in transition is just some of the most naturally incredible stuff to see from a college player of that size moving like that moves so fluidly. The passes are so um, just ahead of what you would expect for, for a college player to be making and to do it at that size. And that speed is something I'm really excited about. I could definitely see Jordan working with Jewel very, very well, uh, finding Jewel open. Jewel's going to need as much help as she can to, well, not really help. I mean, she's going to, like Arike, she's going to put up her, her numbers regardless and not have an issue with that. But having Jordan there is going to make it, I think, a little bit easier and really help. And for Jordan to not have to walk in somewhere as a first-round pick, we talked about this with Ryan, not have to be the number one option. There's a legitimate 20 to 25-point score already there in place. And that'll give Jordan the flexibility and freedom to just kind of come into what she does and, and get better really at her own pace. And I mean, now she could just, you know, also match with Bree's pick there and ju just have a run and gun and score machine that the pick and rolls on, on that end are going to be uh, great as well. Um, so, yeah, I I'm excited for that one. You know, uh, give me a big wing that can handle the ball and, and facilitate. And that's uh, that's that's my wheelhouse. So. Any other thoughts on the draft? Any of the picks? Any of the teams? We'll, we'll, we'll check back in, I, I think, before the regular season starts. We'll do something during a couple things during the season, obviously. But anything else for you guys on, on the WNBA draft from uh, the other night? Just want to point out, I think it was hilarious. Ryan Ruko said this on air, and I texted Bree, and I think she missed this. But about the store, when they, before they draft there, I think after they drafted Jordan, you're like he was like Jewel Lloyd is gonna have to average for you because <laughs> <laughs> they don't have um, a lot of scores and things there. But I thought that was one of the most fun, you know, the hilarious things of draft night. It was just it was like okay, yeah, realistically, yes, you're probably gonna have to average for you um, for them to compete um, potentially. But then again, these draft picks um, can assist a lot, and we may see you know the storm surprise a lot of people. So I'm excited to see where their journey goes with losing their star players, well, two of their star players, and now just having two of them. Wasn't it LaChina that that then chimed in and said, she doesn't mind, she doesn't mind. Like, she, she's going to she's gonna relish that. She's going to love that. Joel, we need you to just go in there and shoot. Uh, all right, coach, I got you. No no big deal. Um, Bree, anything else for you on the draft? Yeah, um, I will say, I think it was recorded that this was the most watched WNBA draft in 19 years and it hit I think close to 600,000 viewers at one point so that's great I'm, it just shows how you know the league is growing and how you know big is getting and how impactful it is too and I'm really appreciating the the crossing between you know the college the college games um and how usually there's a drop off um after March Madness and you know in women's basketball and I'm happy to see that 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 did not happen that there was still people encouraged to come watch the draft so if you did tune into the draft just make sure to continue to tune into the regular season preseason regular season and anything that has to do with the W um because it's going to be a fun year this is going to be a really really fun year it's giving 
Celtics Lakers vibes right mm. now, you know, in the East and the West. So make sure y'all tune in and get League Pass when it drops. Still $25, man. I can't believe it's still $25 uh, after the season they had last year. Uh, 19 years ago, uh, my rough counting. I don't know how to count years. I'm always one off. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, 2007. Does anybody want to guess who the first overall pick was without looking it up? You guys probably weren't even born then, you, you children. Was it Maya's? Work? Nah, no. Maya was no. like 2000, yeah, 2011. Uh, no. Lindsay Harding uh, to the Phoenix Mercury, 2007. Nope. Um, the next year was Candace Parker. So getting, I was going to say close. Candace, but I was like Can- Candace. Candace was the next year. Candace was the next year. All right. Uh, well, with that, thank you guys so much for being here. Yes, and, and as Bree said, Please be tuned into the W, man. It, it was a ton of fun. I, I think Barney and I were talking about this before we, before we hopped on. I love the draft in any league. I, I love the idea of the draft. I love the the excitement, that the joy that comes with it, the drama that comes with it. But then you get there, and it's always awkward anyways. Like, everyone's <laughs> just in, a, in this weird room where they're getting just, like, called up to, like, hey, this is where you're going to work now for the next X number of years. Uh, also, good luck. Also answer these like really weird and sometimes really personal questions while you're just trying to be really happy that you're, you know, fulfilling your lifelong dream and celebrate with your friends. So it, it always gets weird in the moment. Um, I will say, I think that the players, especially early uh, on draft night for, for the W did, did, you know, some of the best job in terms of answering the questions and getting in and out quickly and, and moving on. They do a little better than that than uh, I think NFL or NBA players tend to do. I wonder, gee, I wonder why that is. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, it was fun. It had its faults, but I thought they, they did a good job with the draft. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing as many of the players as we got to see. And just another, another step towards another fun WNBA season that we're about to have. So Bree, Mario, thank you guys so much for being here. Everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to the Simon Short Podcast. We will talk to you again next week. Have fun and be safe out there.